0: On January 23rd, 2006, Kristen Ender was sitting at her desk at work when her cell phone rang. She glanced down at the number and saw it was her best friend, Jennifer Kessie. An engineer at NASA in Orlando, Kristen didn't have time to chat right then and there because work was so busy. She and Jen spoke almost daily, so she'd call her back the next day. No big deal. Kristen, of course, didn't know it, but that would be the last time she'd hear from Jennifer. Alrighty, well, um, we are We're rolling. rolling go. good, good. I sat down with Kristen at her Florida home. She and Jen first met one another during their freshman year of college at the University of Central Florida.
1: I lived in the dorms my first year in Orange Hall, and I rushed before School started, sorority, Rush, participated in that, and became a member of Alpha Delta Pi, or 80 Pi. And Jen also rushed 80 Pi. She lived in the dorms also. And amongst the various girls living in the dorms and rushing 80 Pi, we became like a close-knit group of girlfriends. We just started hanging out first year of school, just kind of orienting our whole self with that new environment of college. We came pretty close. We have similar personalities. We're both born in May, um, so both Taurus is probably the ideal person you would think of if you follow astrology. So like a bull, very stubborn, very witty, um, but also very loyal. Um, She was just a very charismatic person. Um, She loved, you know, people, loved making friends, um, loved football was not afraid to share her opinion, but just like a genuine person to be around.
2: What are some memories you have from those early days where you probably thought to yourself, well, this is definitely somebody that I want to be friends with and I'm going to be close friends with.
1: I think it's just, you make a connection with a person that shares your similar ideals. And that is just an easy friendship. We didn't need to work at it. Um, She's very honest, you know, very caring person. And so am I, and we just clicked. I remember probably first or second year, we actually went to stay with her family, her parents in Tampa. We went to, they have a festival called uh, Gasparilla, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like their Mardi Gras. And we stayed with her family and went to that event during the day. And I had never been there. I'm not from this part of the area. So it was a new experience for me, but her family was just, so welcoming and fun to be around. It was a really great time. And her parents were just like her, you know, um, accepted all of these crazy college girls into their house, cooked us meals, you know, and offered us to be there and come back at any time. So a couple of our other girlfriends had grown up with her that were in college that also rushed 85 Pie. They went to middle school and high school together. So they were already very close. Even that didn't keep us from becoming close friends. We all became a close-knit group of friends. There was about nine of us. They lived in an apartment called the Gatherings in College mm-hmm. after that first year in a dorm, mm-hmm. so they were called the Gatherings Girls. Mm-hmm. just a good group, close group of girlfriends in college, um, just kind of doing all the things that you do to experience mm-hmm. college
2: from outside of going, mm-hmm. you
1: know to to your classes?
2: I never joined a sorority. My school, we just didn't have them. But from what I understand, people who are in fraternities, sororities, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: they become sort of these lifelong friends, like family almost. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I went to
1: school, I'm an engineer, electrical engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's very hard for a female. It's easier now. So I rushed as a sorority to meet friends. Um, and luckily I did because otherwise I would have just been going to engineering classes and be surrounded by people who sometimes don't have the same personalities you do. So my studies were quite different than my personality is.
2: Mm-hmm. I would guess that you were a pretty serious student if you're yes. an electrical engineer now. Yes. And I understand Jen took her academics
1: yeah, quite seriously. Yes, she was finance and she took her academics seriously. In fact, you know,
2: all of our friends
1: did. That's also probably a misconception about sororities. In fact, at the time, um, Greek was the leading in academics. So, you know, it's just a way to reach out to friends. Everyone in college does things outside of their classes, whether you're in a sorority or a fraternity mm-hmm. or otherwise. Um, and so it's just a great way to make connections with people Mm -hmm. that you otherwise might not have. And I'm grateful that we did because even other than Jen, I made lifelong friends that I can Mm -hmm. still reach out today. And I think it was important when Jen went missing that she had that connection Mm. from a sorority standpoint, because we had an outpouring of support from those still in the sorority to younger girls that came out when we did the search for her to alumni and still today um, that reach out to help the Cassie's with anything that they can do.
2: And, you know, you mentioned having met them before Jen disappeared, the family. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this is such a close knit family? I mean, that's one thing that really struck me is that they were always in touch. Yeah. And they still are. Um, you know,
1: they are the most resilient parents I've ever seen. Um, and I don't even know how they face every day going forward, but they do, you know, they do it for her to continue the fight for her. And they also do it, you know, they have another child, Logan, so they do it for him. And. Um, now his children and his wife, even Logan, her brother would come visit us in college and you could tell they had that older sister, younger brotherly love, which sometimes is not common, you know, um, but they had it. It was almost um, admirable the way they interacted mm-hmm. with each other. Like You could tell that there was a deep love there from both just joking around to her watching after him because he was younger, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you're doing this or Things like that.
0: We'll be back after this short break. New from
2: the Fox News Podcast Network a look back at the 2000 election. I will work for you every day
1: and I will never let you down. Fox News presents Election Rewind 2000. Give me the opportunity to lead this nation and I will lead. Subscribe now at
0: FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So after graduation, what did you do? Where did you go and what were her plans? We actually both stayed here from college. We
1: moved in different areas of Orlando. I stayed on the east side and she moved over towards the Millennium Mall area because that's where her work was located and mine's located on the east side. But we kept in touch regularly. We spoke almost every morning at work on the phone just to say, Hey, how's your job going today? What's up to, you know, what do you want to complain about today? Um, you know, just a five minute conversation to catch up. Sometimes we email each other, even though we might not have seen each other as much as we used to in college. We still were in constant contact. Mm-hmm. She had just bought that condo out of moving out of the apartment and was super excited. I had just stayed with her the night of New Year's Eve. The new years before she went missing, I had just stayed at her um, new condo, and um, we went out that night with another with a group set of friends that had also stayed from college on iDrive. We went to a piano bar because uh, Rob couldn't come up for the night, so I went and stayed with her just to kind of celebrate the night. I didn't have a boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. you know. We we had a great time. Talk to us about Rob. He's a great guy. Um still is today. Still will reach out and say, hope your family's doing well. We're not in constant contact, but you know, just the Random thinking about you, or every year, um, you know, on on the date that she went missing, he'll reach out and say, you know, we're here for each other.
2: What can you say about the condo complex? What do you remember about it? So I remember the
1: Millennium Mall had just been built. It was a relatively new area to start going to, mm-hmm. one that we didn't typically go to in college. In college, we only had the Florida Mall, mm-hmm. um, which was a little bit farther and in off of Sand Lake area. I really only knew that area as far as the mall. I didn't really experience the surrounding area. I pretty much would take I-4, which is the main interstate there, and get off and go to the mall. Her apartment complex that she chose was close to the area where she worked and right across the street from the mall. It was being renovated from apartments into apartments that people rented mm-hmm. into condos when it wasn't uncommon at that time. That was like when the housing, housing business started really shooting up in Orlando. So it wasn't uncommon to see apartments being turned into condos. Mm-hmm. So at that time you could totally see why she'd want to live in this place. You know, we just graduated college. We have a steady business. We want to now remember, so she was very strong headed, independent woman. So, and I too you know, we wanted to buy our own place. And at that time, those were ideal for us. You know, we don't need a freestanding home. We just want to have, you know, that home ownership next step. And mm-hmm. so it, it seemed in a relatively good area. Again, that millennial mall is, you know, it's like a shiny new yeah, new establishment. Office, still yeah. is today. It's a great place to go. People love it. It has high-end stores. So you just don't really think of anything mm-hmm. when you're new kind of looking at stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that I know that area more, especially after Jen went missing, I know that if you drive five seconds you know down the road, you're almost in a not good area of town. Mm-hmm.
2: in other words, you could see how someone had a false sense of security because they're so close to this swank mall. Oh definitely, so security wasn't very tight. no, not at all, mm-hmm.
1: not at all. You'd basically say your name or her apartment number and they would let you in. That was it. They wouldn't take your license plate or anything like that. Um, No security measures. I do remember like the guard being like rather just lazy, kind of, I don't know, for lack of better words, shady kind of people, like disinterested, I guess you would say. That's a common thing you see in Orlando, but they can be or not be very authoritative. Mm -hmm. I remember her pointing out sometimes in the gym, she would feel awkward with workers being in there. I never noticed anything when I was there. It it was rather empty because they were doing that change out, so they were reconstructing a lot of them. Mm -hmm. The night I stayed with her, I I had just gotten a new puppy for Christmas, actually, and I I brought the dog with me, and I remember going downstairs to let the dog out, and I think a couple, young couple talked to us, but that was really all I saw. So I don't even know if there was other people living Mm -hmm. beside her or downstairs below her, but it was a rather sparse populated Mm -hmm. apartment complex.
2: You mentioned Jen feeling uncomfortable at the gym. Did she ever confide in you, talk to you about feeling uncomfortable just in general at that apartment complex? I mean, she was only there two months, right? But did she ever say anything to you about the maintenance workers or people on the property? She did.
1: I just remember she would sometimes call me when she was working out, like on the treadmill or whatnot. And remember if people came in or out, they, she would kind of stop and say, well, they look kind of like making odd looks or something at her which would make anyone uncomfortable i I think maintenance workers in general not to be rude but when you're younger kind of you always raise a red flag in your head so i don't know if i thought of anything other than that Than just she lives alone so she's going to take precautions about people Mm -hmm. in her surrounding
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we weren't able to get in there but what we noticed from looking at it sort of outside the gates are these hallways, you know, that kind of look
1: dark. I would agree with that, except for I lived in apartment complexes and they all looked like that. Mm-hmm. They were all that three-story buildup so that you don't have to have an elevator
2: and all enclosed hallways. You know, Jen was a responsible, street-savvy, safe person. What can you say about her in that respect? She was always in constant contact
1: with her parents almost every day, if not multiple times a day. She also called me every morning just to chat. She was in in contact with her, you know, her boyfriend at the time and other friends that she had out of state. So it's not like she was ever not reachable or, and if we were out, we always went out with multiple people. Mm -hmm. She was never, you know, alone other than commuting to and from work where she also knew co-workers. She wasn't someone that would ever go off on her own without people knowing where she was. Mm-hmm.
0: Kristen talked to us about January twenty fourth, 2006, the day Jennifer went missing.
1: I remember getting the call when I was at work when she first went missing. I think her brother actually called me, which caught me off guard. And I was driving home because I didn't feel good. I, I can't remember what time it was, probably... Late morning, I had already gone to work and I didn't feel very good. So I was headed back home and I got a call and he said, "How you talked to Jen today. And I said, no, I haven't. What's up? And he said, we can't get a hold of her. She didn't show up to work. And her, the upper management was um, friends, family friends with the Kessies. Her boss let the upper management know and they contacted the Kessies and said, did Jen not feel well? Do you know why she didn't show up to work? And she didn't. And they said, no, we have no idea. We just talked to her last night. We have no idea why she show up to work. So he was calling me to see if I had talked to her cause he know I talked to her regularly and I didn't. And you have that gut feeling when someone asks you something that's totally not right. You can tell, you can tell my voice now. You just know, right? Something's not right. And you try to overcompensate that by thinking, well, maybe she really was just sick. Maybe she slept. She just got back from vacation, maybe she's overtired, maybe her phone died, maybe, you know, she lost her charger or something. You try to make excuses for your over-processing, right? Mm -hmm. I went home, I remember calling several other people and the Kessies were on their way to her apartment and they got a maintenance worker to unlock her apartment for her, or maybe management, I'm not quite sure. And everything seemed in place.
0: Jennifer's friends and sorority sisters knew right away that something had happened to her.
1: And I remember waiting till I think it was like 6 p.m. And by then, Carrie was already at my apartment. I remember Joy was on her way. Everyone to come stay with me because it's like even five hours in, we all knew something was very wrong. This wasn't anyone that would ever just... uh, just leave or not contact. There's no way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And obviously it was for the reason it is still today that, you know, someone abducted her or something happened to her. So we spent the next night. I remember another friend called from work and she lives She works also over in that area called and, and brought the Cassie's over pizza, I believe to her apartment. And then, but they didn't want anybody else to come there. They were starting the investigation Mm -hmm. with the uh, police department. So we all stayed in my apartment, and I remember going the next morning to help make flyers. I remember stopping by Kinko's to make flyers that her dad had already drafted up. And I actually got a call from a person who's actually a reporter in D.C. now, a White House reporter in D.C. now, and he said, hey, I'm coming in town. He had just moved there. He used to be a reporter or an anchor here in here in Orlando, and he was coming back and we were friends with him and he said, Hey, I'm coming to town. What are you and Jen and everyone doing tonight? And I said, actually, I'm making flyers. We don't, we don't know where Jen in. And he immediately stopped everyone. And um, I'm thankful for his call because he was able to get, you know, call people at the news and say, this is a story. You need to cover
0: it. After passing out flyers all day near the mall in Jen's condo, Christian remembers going to look for Jen's car.
1: I remember that night we said maybe we should go look to see if we should could find her car and I remember Rob and I actually were in the same car he was driving and we went in the direction of that apartment complex and nobody's familiar with that area outside of literally right where our apartment complex was or the mall so as you continue going forward towards the Sand Lake area um It becomes a not good neighborhood. And I remember us driving saying, should we look to the right or should we go to the left? Ironically, we chose to go in the neighborhoods to the right and look around, not to the left. And that's exactly where they found her car was in the apartment complex to the left. Not that it would have made a difference, but um, they, you know, because the car had already been dropped off, but that they found her car in um, Huntington on the Green apartment complex, which is an apartment complex
2: that, she would have never been in Mm -hmm. the news about the car being found what was going through your mind i'm sure you had been in her car before
1: Mm -hmm.
2: when they found the
1: car they were covering it by the news channel and i remember police going in to like knock on the peoples that faced the pools like the doors of the people that live in the apartment complex and people wouldn't even unlock their doors to speak to police they like had the chain they had the inside chain on the door and just would halfway open it or move their curtain to the side um So just an area that you don't want to be in, and she wouldn't have dropped off her own car, as we now know, because there's pictures of someone, you know, pulling the car in, dropping it off, and walking away. I remember the tow truck coming to pull it away, and it was just, it was very hard, because, you know, at that moment, you realize that it's even more serious than your mind had ever let you think, and it it starts to hit home even more
2: this must have been like surreal experience it still is as i talk about it you
1: know and i you know it is a part of my life now it's a part of all of our lives that went through it so um, i talk about it for her in hopes that we find the answers for her some days
0: we also talked about the person of interest seen in the grainy black and white surveillance video taken at huntington on the green we knew the images had been enhanced by nasa and that Christian worked for NASA as an electrical engineer at the Kennedy Space Center. When you saw those images,
2: what were the first impressions, thoughts that were going through your mind?
1: So I had known they were enhanced by NASA. Um, I actually ran into one of the deputies, which would be one of the odd things, as he pretended like he'd never met me. Um, when he came down the elevator, just ironically, we were in the same building and he was walking out with another deputy that works at NASA and and the deputy at NASA knew that I was related to or related to the case because I was friends with her, um, and, but the deputy from OPD or Orange County or whatever it was pretended like he had never met me before, which was real strange because I had, I had met him. So I knew they were enhanced by NASA and I think it was just the initial thought of looking at that was looking at that person and thinking that can't be right. Like that person must've been paid to drop off her car because that person is probably my size and I'm five, two and Jen was at least five, seven. Um, everyone's taller than me, so I never get heights. Right. (laughs) Um, but she was a tall woman, right? Tall, strong woman. And this was a very skinny, short male. So my, my thoughts were that this can't be the person related to taking her. There is no way that that person would have been able to take her against her will just by his stature. And I, you can't tell his face or any of the other elements. That was probably the, also the other, like, come on, like the one thing you get in the case. Um, and still today you have all these theories about what the guy's wearing and no one really knows, like. I'm not even sure. Does he have a ponytail? Is his hat backwards? Is he a painter? Is he a baker? So just just no one that I would have ever, we would have ever associated with. Mm-hmm. There could not be a way that this was anybody she knew.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and probably someone just paid to drop off her car.
2: So we don't know what this person's involvement was, but we know that he was involved in some way. Because even if he was just paid to drop off the car, he can tell us who told him to do that. I mean, obviously, this is like still the most like critical lead they have in the case. Would you agree with that?
1: I would. I would. Because it's all we've got, right? And he is the one next step in whatever transpired with her. Because you watch him park the car... Then reverse it, park it again to make sure it was straight and get out and walk away. So someone had to have told him exactly where to put that car because why else would you be so like detailed in? Sure. It's not like he was, yeah, it's not like he was being hasty about it. It was like Mm -hmm. he was given an instruction or an assignment to do something and he did it and then left. Mm -hmm. I think... That whoever that person is, I don't know if whoever paid him or whatever they did to convince him to do that has a stronghold on them, but they must because still this many years later, he has not come forward. The only thing I can think is if it's like a family member, you know, of the other person, someone that's got to be like so important to the other person where, where you're in on it in some fashion Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or they or they paid you in some way, other thing than money. Maybe like, I don't know if people had always had a theory that like he was an illegal citizen, not a citizen, illegal person. And to gain citizenship, to bring your, you know, family here, you do these types of things and these people will help you bring your family members or spouses here, you know, and that would be Mm -hmm. more important than anything to a person, even if they're holding a heavy burden, right? right? Family Because they get something
2: out of it. Right. It's also possible he was absolutely directly involved, just didn't act alone, right? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, none of us know the answers, but in your gut, do you believe that more than one person was involved in this crime? Definitely.
1: I mean, because... Even outside of this guy, you already have to have one. Um, there's no way she would have gone willingly. No absolute way. Um, even as young females in college, we all of us knew, you know, in a bad situation, you fight. You're never going to get in that car because you ain't getting out of it. So you're going to fight for yourself or whatever. So she had to have been taken by someone larger than that person dropping off her car or somehow subdued to, you know, be put in the car, asphyxiated, whatever the story. So it either took two people to do that or it took someone using some type of substance to subdue her to get her in the car. Mm -hmm. I also probably don't think that she was ever put in her own car um, unless she was subdued. You know, she would have fought. And there's traces that the dog traced, the police dogs traced from her apartment to that direct other apartment where her car was left, Huntington on the Green, and back to her apartment and nowhere else.
2: Which is weird. It's another mystery. Very weird. The way I read that is that they traced... The guy who dropped the car off, they traced that person's scent from uh, Huntington on the Green back to right Mosaic.
1: Right. That's why I don't think
2: that she was ever in that
1: car Mm -hmm. because then it might have tracked somewhere else. Not that I know anything Mm -hmm. about um, detective dogs, but you would think that it would have gone somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if she was taken in another van, if she never left the apartment complex. Mm -hmm. There was also theories that, you know, someone took her into an empty apartment in that complex because they never got the search warrants to search them because they were Mm -hmm. starting to be owned by different people. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was workers living in those empty apartments. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't even know that she could have been there the whole time.
2: Yeah, we were told by a law enforcement source that the apartment right across from hers was vacant at that time and that they were installing or getting ready to install carpet in that unit.
1: Yeah, I don't recall exactly, but like I said, I don't remember too many people living on her direct floor yeah. or underneath her. Um, and I remember her having frustration herself with maintenance workers mm-hmm. um, needing to fix some final things in her apartment.
2: Based on everything that you know about the case from day one, do you think that whatever happened to her happened to her that morning on the 24th when she was leaving for work?
1: Yes. Um, And I know people ask that a lot, but I just don't see her going out at night on a weeknight. Mm-hmm. People have asked about, you know, returning the cell phone um, of her brother's friend or going out because her ex-boyfriend was at the bar across from the mall. Mm-hmm. She had a, again, strong-willed personality that she was going to do it. You know, she wanted to do and mm-hmm. not always please other people, which is a good quality. But so for lack of better words, be annoyed if she had to go somewhere when she was already in bed, when she had to work the next morning. Mm
2: -hmm. Did the police ever interview you and ask you, you know, about your conversations with her? There was somebody giving her trouble or anything like that? You know, it's really
1: strange. So, um, initially no. And I've never been in this sort of situation before, so you never know if that's like something they should be doing and you just think they should be doing it or if it's really something they should be doing. But I remember the only person they focused on speaking to was Rob, her boyfriend at the time. We were all there. Um, I remember they would ask or her family would ask questions, but I was never spoken to directly until after, probably weeks after.
0: Kristen told me that she has one regret. Did you talk to Jen after the vacation at all? So,
1: no, um, and I'll probably regret that forever. I remember her calling on Monday when she got back from the from the trip and I regular work calls and I remember being busy and I couldn't answer the phone and never got a chance to talk to her. And then the next day is when she went missing. So I never got a chance to have that last conversation with her about that happy, at least happy, moment of her life. I think it's just a good reminder to, you know, always, always make contact with your friends and family no matter the situation.
2: Yeah, yeah. sure.
1: Because you never know when it might be your last time.
2: Right.
0: Over the years, Kristen finds ways to honor Jen in her life.
1: Even though she wasn't with us when we got married, she was my maid of honor because, you know, how do you get married without one of your best friends? So we had her listed as my maid of honor. Who better to honor than someone that was so close to you and couldn't be there on one of the most important days of your life? Uh, So that's what I think about now. Maybe that will help people frame just who she was. She was that important to those who knew her, that we would want her standing there or with us and i had her mom standing in her place even when she couldn't be when we got married so those are the kinds of things that you think of when you know she she has never met you know my children she never got to have children she never got to be married she's never gotten to see her brother's kids you know she's missed all of that I think she's now been missing for longer than we were friends and that's hard to think about right because she still seems it seems so like it just happened every time you know you think about her and her memory or I go over these stories again it still feels just like yesterday and it's been all these years.
0: In our next episode of House of Broken Dreams, the Kessies decide to wage a legal fight against the Orlando Police Department. They said, look, we have to find out what happened to our daughter. And they wanted the files. And um, they sought legal advice on how best to get them.
1: We're fighting for our daughter, Jennifer, and we'll do anything. When you have walked through the missteps, mistakes, lies, the next logical thing to do is say, I think we can do it better.
0: Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.